Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash that terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I am one of your co-hosts. My name is Dave Gurney. I am here with Joe Hilliard and Carlos Cooper. And we are going to do it, guys. You know, pandemic may still be raging on. But we're going to lock ourselves down. We're going to get into that bubble that we need to so that we can produce this podcast that the world needs, folks. I agree. The world needs. The world needs it. The podcasting industry is dependent on this episode releasing. Absolutely. Do you all mind if we get a little beer in our glasses? We should. Okay. Yeah. Uh, This is... Some would say it's a necessity. This this is the fourth (laughs) beer that we have enjoyed on this show. From, this is from Fair State Brewing Cooperative. They are out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, a few episodes ago, we did Red Rocket. We did. The film Red Rocket. I think we all really liked it. And one of the characters was Strawberry. David, you had found Strawberry Jacket from Revolution Brewing, a strawberry-flavored barley wine. Uh-huh. And Carlos said out loud, I just don't like barley wines yeah. during the episode. So when I saw this great can art, for Life Ain't Fair Barley Wine Ale from Fair State Cooperative, I immediately picked it up and I thought we should give Carlos another chance. Yeah, maybe maybe a, this is the one. Because that's not we're not the kind of podcast where we just declare, I don't like this style and walk away from it. This is a podcast where we, we state our opinions, but we're always willing to go back, check the evidence, see if our, our uh, initial hypotheses are, are where yeah. we want to stay. And Carlos, this is going to be an opportunity... I think I was actually a little bit lukewarm, too. I don't know that I came out as hard as Carlos uh, against it, but, uh, you know, barley wines tend to be very sweet. They got that huge malt base. Well, y'all be careful, because this one clocks in at 14.8. I just looked, at, looked this up real cl- real quick. Uh, they origina- Barley wines originated in England, and they were so named because of the fact that even though they were made from barley, mm-hmm. like a beer... They approach the alcohol level of wine, and go. at fourteen point eight, we're surpassing right some wines yeah. that you can buy, you know, that are on the wine list at your favorite restaurant. That's right. That's very true. Yeah, and David got some DGM going on. Yeah, I do. I do. Dirty glass. glass. But I, I got to say, on the nose tip, I mean, I, if I was, I feel like if I was blindfolding, blindfolded and smelling this, I would say barley wine. Sure. I mean, it's got that like real very rich caramel nose. Yeah. I, you know, it, I hope I it also, drinks well, but it but it's already feels heavy to me. Just the aroma. You want to do the bend before we go on? Oh shit! Yeah, um, we're gonna talk about a film as we always do. But this year, for locals list put on by the Bend Magazine, it's a uh, um, best of the best kind of readers poll. And it's our, a great magazine in the city we live in. It is uh, a great one. Great people over there. That's true. And um, we've been nominated every year they've had a podcast. And we never pay that much attention to it because we're in it for the love of the game, not for the accolades. That's true. Um, But this year, we kind of want to win it a little bit. It it feels like it's time. It feels like we've we've put in the work. And we know if you're listening, you know we've been putting in the work. Four years, over 400 films. Yep. 400 beers. Yep. Yeah. So it's time for us to get our flowers, I'd say. So we really are going to 
push it a little harder this year and be a little bit more in your face about it than we normally are. So go to thebendmag.com and there should be a banner at the top of the page that says locals list voting right. is now open. Mm-hmm. And you can click on that. And if you're local to this area and you have thoughts of opi- thoughts and opinions on other things like restaurants, bars, your favorite hairstylist or nail artist or it's heavy competition uh, right now your favorite uh some great artist art I, I, gallery as, as it goes on every year like new categories get added mm-hmm. new businesses show up and all deserving those accolades it's, sure. a, t- it's a tough thing i mean i think w- w- where you look at it but like carlos said i feel like w- we we need to try to make a little bit more of a statement why, why not here. i mean and not? even if you don't live here you can help us that's right by, that's true. if that's you're true. a fan of this episode a fan of our podcast by going to the bendmag.com mm-hmm. Finding locals list, finding yeah. the podcast, or category. go to any of our social media. We're going to be putting there. the link yeah. out there, and you know, so it would be a nice award to win once. Yeah, okay. I wouldn't be mad about it. Um, but we're it's time it's time to get into the movie portion of beer. And the speaking movie. of <laughs> speaking of getting speaking mad, speaking of awards and accolades uh, and things that we'll be receiving copious numbers of them. I'm uh, sure. What is the film of the week? So the film of the week is the latest um, from acclaimed director uh, Judd Apatow. I, I think that we can you know, fairly certainly say that there was a shift in comedic filmmaking that he was at the center of. Without a doubt. Big part. Yeah. Without a doubt. His early work are still, in my opinion, great classic And we've movies. covered him on the podcast. We have. We, we, have. we, we, we did, did King, King of Staten, Staten Island, Island, his last feature. We did Funny People. We also did Funny People along yeah. with it, which we all really loved Funny People. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think a mixed review on King of Staten Island. But, yes. but generally... A room that's very favorable to Judd Apatow. I loved the show Love that he produced that his daughter Iris was in, uh-huh. who also appears in this film that was created by Paul Rust and uh-huh. stars Paul Rust. Really liked that show. Uh, Before like, today, if an Apatow movie is released, I want to see it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like you... I, I'm... Okay. Let's Give us the premise. Here we Give go. us Here the we premise. Go. Here we go. It's called The Bubble. Uh, it came out on Netflix uh, this past week. And... Just to give you an idea, it's got Karen Gillan, Fred Armisen, um, fucking David uh, Duchovny, David Duchovny, Leslie Mann, uh, Leslie Iris Mann, Apatow. You've already said Iris Apatow, Pedro Pascal, yeah. Keegan Michael Key, uh, this cast, Kate McKinnon, yeah. John Lithgow, Beck is in this thing. I mean, <laughs> he certainly <laughs> is. There are a John Cena. Uh, there are a <laughs> James McAvoy as James McAvoy. There are a ton of people in this movie. Yeah. An absolutely ridiculous cast. Uh, and it uh, the premise is a group of actors and actresses stuck inside a pandemic bubble at a hotel attempt to complete a film. That's right. That's the thing, and it's and, and loosely, it's one of it's one of two movies in production at this time. Right. Yeah, this would have been loosely, this would have been early pandemic. Loosely I mean, inspired by yeah. Jurassic. World Fallen Kingdom, Fallen, no, whatever no, the no. new one is that's coming. Fallen Kingdom was the last one, What's which they had just started working on pre pandemic, had to shut down, and they were one of the first to return to it under some of the strictest guidelines that yeah. any production had. Yeah, it's to a snapshot with. of about a year and a half ago, right? Right, uh, should I, should I start? Please go for it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, walk us in. Judd Apatow's career as a writer and director is over. 
<laughs> it's over. It's you, over. Oh, he. We're this, done. This isn't a mojo draining project, mm. is it? He hasn't. Ha- he hasn't made a good movie since two thousand and nine. I like Staten Island. I like. He hasn't. He Trainwreck was fine. I thought King of Staten Island was painfully unfunny. Agree. And this movie is so bad. It is one of the most unwatchable things. I, I mean, it's I. I almost have to laugh. I almost have to laugh at it. it, it which in that case, it, <laughs> well, he wants have, you to. It, it would have made me laugh more than King of Staten Island did. But I'm not oh. laughing with it. I'm laughing well, at it. Why don't because we, it is, it's it's really bad. Why don't we quickly go around the room and get that initial first take, Carlos? I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you. I watched it with Aislin on our comfort of our couch, of course, Netflix. And she fell asleep, and I said, well, we'll finish it tomorrow. And it had been a feature-length film at that point. Mm-hmm. I pushed pause for the evening, and I said, holy shit, we got 48 minutes left. Yeah. This thing is 2 hours 20 or somewhere around it's there? 2 hours it's 205. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's over bar- two. It's barely over two. Over two, two hours. Way too long. The jokes were in front of me. I can tell that you're telling me a joke, but it isn't funny. Now, I am curious to know David's take, and then we can maybe go around again, because there were a couple of things that I did enjoy. Yeah. I want to find the good if we can, but I don't know if his career's over, Carlos. That seems that seems pretty hyperbolic. He has the juice to make another film. I, don't, but, I disagree. But this one was a fail. Well, fail. I disagree, and I'll tell you why later. Okay. So, yeah, I, I figured I was going to end up playing this role oh, no. on this episode. You didn't like... I don't, I don't like this. Okay, okay. I was going to okay. say, because the I'm not gonna, before we recorded... I am not going to make a case for it being a film anybody should watch, or pay attention to, or that we're lucky to have around. But, I did find things in it, and I, and I think... So, here's what I would say. I think this is a failed project... But I think it was a, an attempt, a noble attempt with some good pieces Agreed. in there. Okay, I'll, I'll um, agree with and, you. And I'll point to some of the pieces that I, I think Karen Gillan is pretty good. I like, I like her in general. We've seen I her. Also, I also what was like the gunpowder gun milkshake? milkshake. Gunpowder milkshake. Right. She likes Jumanji that movies. She's really good in Jumanji. And where the film starts with her character, this kind of you know actress who's made some questionable decisions, being sucked back into a franchise that's lucrative just so that she can resuscitate her career. Yeah, it's a, it's the sixth. They're filming the sixth in a franchise. The franchise is called Cliff Beasts. It's right. like a flying dinosaur, dinosaur. dragon yeah. type so adventure. So she had dipped out of the series, She's but she's convinced by her manager to get back into it to help resuscitate her career. The initial quarantine, that's pretty funny, that little sequence. So the, the stuff that I got with her character at the beginning, and she really is kind of the main character of the film i think part of the big problem of the film is it doesn't know its focus and it wants to be this kind of sprawling thing where it's just touching on all these different subplots that are going on Mm -hmm. around this bubble situation and everything but it doesn't it never builds momentum it never feels like things are gelling and that could have been done in some interesting that could have even resulted in some interesting things but it's not that kind of movie it's it's supposed to be a really funny movie it's like you said, Joe, you can tell that there are funny setups happening. You can tell that there are jokes that they are telling or, or gags that they're creating. Some of them land okay. I laughed a and, couple of times. And I have a feeling that, that we may disagree on one based on an exchange we had on, on uh, 
Facebook today, <laughs> but because I, I loved the reproductive organs bit uh, when they're shooting there. I mean, just mm. the, the imagery of that weird pulsating jellyfish penis thing yeah. and, <laughs> and blasting it and the thing blowing up. I mean, it is just so utterly insane and ridiculous. I'm like, okay, at least you went that weird and silly with it at that if, point. If that works, it's because of Fred Arvison. Well, duh. he was one of my biggest problems with this film. Or Mine the character. as well. He... I don't feel like that character made any sense. Guy fresh out of Sundance is a 50-something who's, like, schlubby and kind of... No. Yeah. No. I agree that, with I agree That would have been, like, a hotshot, like, coked-up dude who just got really... Michael Bay. I don't know. who I, I can't even... But uh, Colin Trevorrow or something? I don't know. I, I'm saying that about him. Like, he's... A, but he's younger. I don't know. It's just, like, somebody who hit big with an indie... Tiles of love. And it's given the reins of a big feature. You could have had like hundreds of different actors. Skylar Gazondo. Skylar Gazondo. There you go. The director of Pig. He he would have been (laughs) fantastic. You're right. Somebody that young and full of energy and kind of like that would have been a really funny take to see on that. Fred Armisen, it just comes across as like lazy and and I'm not faulting him. It's just not a character he's supposed to play. No, I agree with you for the entire film, but the weirdness of... Being so dedicated to shooting genitalia. <laughs> that was a, funny. That was that funny. Is a thing that Fred Armisen is weird enough to like yeah, commit yeah. to. And, and it's also a Judd Apatow like check mark because he'll always do a close up on genitalia in, in in a lot of those earlier films. I'm thinking the the birth in Knocked Up. I'm, you know, I could mm-hmm. go on and on. Yeah. 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 So. So I, I'm not an apologist for this film by any stretch. Like listeners, no. If you haven't watched this already. Avoid it. Don't but don't don't run or for the hills. At, at most, go look like skip through it, and if you see like a shot that looks kind of funny, maybe pause on it. The, the the gags where it's like them in the CGI and coming back to them against the green screen, those I did laugh at because it is funny to see people as if they're rock climbing, and then you see the you know the green the green screen actually, right. and like you see how ridiculous it they're, all looks. They're, flash, and, they're flashing between what the final film would look right, like and right. what the shooting looked like, and the one where they're vomiting. Don't I mean you, that that was kind of funny. I I, I thought the vomit gag was completely it just didn't land it's for juvenile. me at all. Yeah. I, I mean, it was low, juvenile. It's low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah, well, there you go. But I, I don't can, mind a vomit Occasionally, gag, I'll pick a piece of low-hanging fruit. Well, yeah, same, but for a film that, I don't know, I just felt like... Well, that's what I mean. It wanted to be this juicy comedy that was going to give you laugh after laugh after laugh, but the weird thing is, is that in the way it's structured, with all these subplots and all these different characters... It felt more like it should be like a sprawling Robert Altman, like Nashville or something. Sure, or a series. Maybe, yeah. Where well, you're we just like focus on a going on. Yeah, because that's what we want about of this movie is more. Of <laughs> right. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> but but I think that would take a more dramatic approach. I think it would take developing those characters in different ways, mm-hmm. not punctuating their scenes with gags. In some cases, it would have been a very different kind of film. You know, you've got uh, the comedy that isn't funny. That's tragedy. But the other tragedy here is the potential for mining some fantastical satirical views about that section of the pandemic. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen There's a little bit something smart, something wise, lessons learned about that that episode of the pandemic when and I can't speak for every listener, but the three of us went to uh, complete Zoom to yeah. do our things because we were in our respective bubbles. Mm-hmm. I would go to work. I think, Carlos, you went to work for a little while. I think 
David, the university was shut down. You weren't even going to work. Right. We were in our bubbles. We were we were clinging to family and the small number of people that maybe we came right. and got. Businesses were closed. Uh, sorry, restaurants were closed. Bars were closed. So the, that wasn't on the table. Right. Man, there was a lot there that they could have mined. And instead, he went for comedic broadness, um, thinking about the, our, our lead actress who uh, takes up with a, a soccer, soccer player, player who's yeah. also in their own soccer bubble, but it doesn't go anywhere. You know, it. it yeah. Uh, the other no, thing that right. I thought that, was that was a fizzle of really a thing, weird yeah. and and made no sense was Only the relationship maybe, yeah. between Pedro Pascal and the and uh, the clerk Marquetta. The, uh, help me with her name. I'm the, sorry. The I'm girl blanking. from Borat. The, the second the, Borat. The girl from Borat. Who's given nothing to do after she had been given so much to do in Borat? Maria Bakalova. Thank you, thank you. Um, that relationship, that relationship was among many of the relationships that made no sense within the film. Well, again, that couldn't get developed enough. That could never turn into something. I liked the Karen Gillan character, that which I should probably just know her name, but maybe Carol. Um, I liked the long distance relationship thing. I liked the guy who she was dating, who she would then, you know, FaceTime with, and he took up with another woman very quickly. In her home. And then gets indignant and says that he's house sitting for her, <laughs> even though he'd been living with her. But that that but, I found funny. But that's, like, a quick, and, that's a quick, no, you're that's right. a quick punchline, I mean, and then that call went on there for were, five minutes. There were some jokes that landed, mm-hmm. but they were few and far between, and... They were done in many times to in ways that did not serve the dramatic growth of the characters that made it hard for me to even care about anybody. There was really no character that I really cared about in this film at all. Yeah, there were some interesting little performances. I wanted to highlight before I forget Harry uh, Trevaldwin, the guy who plays Gunther. Is um, he the the, the really skinny, real skinny? Yeah, English the guy. English yeah. head He's of security. I I want to see him in more stuff. I feel I I don't really know him from anything. Mm-hmm. And Neither do I. Th- this film didn't make me like. Oh my God, he's amazing! But there was something there where there was a weirdness, and he was willing to deliver some pretty strange lines. Yeah, and I and I felt like okay, you could be in the right context. I'd love to see him show up in like a Robert Eggers film or a. Kaufman. Kaufman. Yeah, I mean, th- there's a yeah. lot of different directions you could go. With the uh, one thing I did enjoy about the movie was the idea that these franchise films um, that are, at, when you get to part number six, you're seeing the a new template. I'm sorry, the, the same template with a slightly different story. Yeah. So as characters are leaving because they're quitting uh, being locked in the bubble... Mm-hmm. Well, they have to be written out of the film, right? And I enjoyed kind of I enjoyed that part of it when they're writing <laughs> or replaced pe- with a, a mocap uh, actor, right? Right. Kind of funny, but a quick gag. I yeah. mean, it just it was not enough to sustain that whole thing. Um, I I I, I was I'm dumbfounded at, at the how bad it was. The, again, uh, pointing at some of the things I thought were done well. I I actually kind of liked the chemistry between Duchovny and Mann when they were doing. I, their stuff. I have agree with you because I didn't find Leslie Mann very compelling in this movie. David Duchovny, though, had an energy about him in this that was He was really good, and their scenes together of... were really good, and I bought their 
like on again, off again, yeah. tumultuous. I enjoyed uh, seeing David Duchovny on the big screen again. I'll, you know, I mean, yeah. Uh, I, I thought Pedro Pascal's performance was pretty good too. Everybody does fine at what they're asked. Even Armisen, I'm not saying it's his fault. He's just miscast. I don't think yeah. that's the right person for that part. I mean, everybody's doing fine. It's just it just doesn't add up to anything. You're right. It it doesn't add up. And like I say, I think it's at war with itself and that like it wants to be the broad, silly comedy that everybody's going to laugh every minute at. But then it's also trying to do it with this kind of dramatic structure that really would demand much more buy in from us as an audience. And so I I don't think he finds because look, look at Apatow, right? We're talking about like he went in that more serious direction with funny people, with um, Staten Island, Staten Island. Sure. Yeah. He has this interest in like really developing characters and and non-traditional characters and characters that you wouldn't initially find sympathetic and maybe finding something there that you can kind of understand about them that, that makes you at least appreciate them more or something by the end of the film. And I feel like he's at war with himself and that like he wants to be a comedian, he wants to be a comedy director, but he also wants to make these statements and, and, and do something here. And I don't know. I mean, it's like with Adam McKay these days. You know, I feel like there's a similar war going on with, within his filmmaking. F- finding his footing yeah, as yeah, he stretches past what we know. Finding a way to balance that kind of social commentary sure. with the funny, with characters that people care about. And it's mm-hmm. it's a tough mix. I mean, there aren't that many directors, who can do screenwriters, that. who really do it who well. pull it off. Yeah. 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 It is a tough balancing act. Um yeah, this movie certainly didn't add up to the sum of its parts. Um, uh, sorry. <laughs> I don't I think the little, barley wine's I, adding up to the sum of its parts either. Barley wine. Um, <laughs> fuck, there was something that you said that I was going to uh, expound upon, but the barley wine has my brain operating at a much lower level of efficiency (laughs) than what i'm used to um (laughs) maybe that's why they called it (laughs) once you start drinking this you're not going to be able to say anything the way you'd like to so here is oh oh, okay i I remember what i was going to say uh there was i feel like i'm the only person that's going to have this perspective (laughs) i i hope that this struck you at some point don't you so the whole thing is that like oh they're in the bubble they're going crazy they have yeah. to quarantine blah 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 they are in a luxury hotel yeah. with oh, four sure. I mean fuck you well the, in the in yeah, your bubble that, looks different you. than mine that point <laughs> slash joke gets made in a few cases where they're talking about nobody wants to hear you complaining about this you're an actor and you know when she when she talks about posting on social media and they're like no nobody's gonna want to hear about an actor going you know insane because they're in a luxury hotel or you know and but they made a whole movie about that (laughs) (laughs) i mean so i I, that that struck me as yeah another thing about it is nobody wants this movie i don't think there is a single person out there that thought i want to watch people go through the hellish experience that i just came out of well okay that's why i think i might disagree with you a little bit that's what i'm saying if done correctly and I can connect with the content, I wouldn't mind going on that journey if it's if if there's a if there is a journey. It would take but it would take such a Or maybe it's too soon, is maybe you're thinking? Well, yeah, for one, for sure I think it's too soon. And 
uh, two, I think it would take such a stroke of genius to be able to figure out how to frame this in a way that people wouldn't find grating, that people wouldn't mm. find exhausting. Because we, like I said, you know, we just, well, this is so recent and it, it was such a traumatic yeah, time for so many yeah. people that it's like, oh, you want to give me a comedy about this thing that I just got, like, that I that I just barely, experienced. Barely and and, and present it in a setting that's not relatable at all. At all. Right. With characters that are not relatable at all. Mm -hmm. With jokes that aren't funny. Mm -hmm. With a runtime that is 45 minutes longer than it should yeah. be. I mean, it's just everything about it was so bad. And that I just don't understand how nobody could have ever been like, I don't know, Judd, man. Yeah. I mean, maybe not. And look, here's the reason why I say his career as a writer and director is over. I don't think his career is over, but I think his career of writing a screenplay and then directing it is over because he's too fucking rich now. Like, mm. there is nothing relatable about this man anymore. Well, he did have a co-writer on this, Pam Brady, right? Uh, but but I hear what you're saying. I hear, so it makes me just want to go back and start detached. Freaks and Geeks from season one, episode sure. one. And, well, there's only one season, but... Uh, <laughs> But like, you know, at least with funny people, it's like, yes, it's about a famous comedian guy and that's not a relatable thing, but somebody faced with their own mortality is relatable. Sure. You and know? the young guy starting out and trying to break into yeah, the exactly. industry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you have that character that you can relate to <laughs> and you have his I mean, here you didn't relate to the TikTok star being played by Iris Avatow? Iris Avatow? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the the first time that they show like one of her TikTok Crystal dance Chris, videos, is that the unbelievable elaborate nature of it is just bonkers insane yeah. to me yeah uh, is it nice to see like maria bamford in something yeah she's funny like, yeah briefly and, right the but mom so and, briefly yeah, true. Uh, but that and, was good that and, was a funny weird scene yeah, it was, but, it was but again just like you said about every other bit in this movie it's so quick yeah. it's like just a smash and dash hit and run joke right. that doesn't really add up to anything right uh and so just... What did you think of of Guz Khan, the ha, uh, Howie? He was okay. I kind of liked him. I don't know him. I, I, I don't think either. he's a comedian, but I, thought, I, thought I, I don't really funny. know. I thought he, again, there was. it's like weird that I'm watching it and it's like I'm not... I don't come away disliking any of the people involved with it. Except Although for I will, Avatar I will agree with you. <laughs> Leslie Mann was a little more flat than she normally is for me, but I love the scene she had with Duchovny. Um, but yeah, most of the performers are like... Yeah, they're all Keegan Michael Key, funny in his in yeah. the role, the yeah. way it's written. Yeah, but you're right. It's kind of weirdly written. I, I like watching his mannerisms on screen. And again, I mean, such a, you know, it's a that the whole movie could be about this guy that's trying to start a cult. Like, yeah, that's that, a, well, there you go. You know? That's and that's kind of what I'm saying is like they throw you these little things like, oh, mm -hmm. this is interesting, mm -hmm. maybe. Nope, we're not going to develop that. We're not oh, going to do anything with that. Interaction them. with the mom. Weird. They have a weird relationship. Nope, we're not going to develop that. Not going to get into that. Uh, I, I will relationship say with the soccer player. Oh, he takes off because he's a polygamist and he's never really been. Okay, fine. Fine. And, and then, like, the <coughs> friendship with Iris and that girl, and they end up fighting each yeah. other at the and end. And then it's just yeah. like, okay. Uh, I was, I did enjoy the concept behind bringing Beck onto the thing and i thought that beck might have been the best performer in the whole because he's, so, he's so anti himself while while sure. playing himself in a song he might sing but at oh, clearly like have been in the movie that you guys didn't like <laughs> hold on, hold on. Fuckers. clearly though being paid by the studio a lot of money to just put on this this sure. concert for them via yeah. zoom or whatever i did enjoy that part i did yeah not them dancing and all that shit yeah. but beck doing 
yeah. that role I, mean, I thought was cute. Lots of little drops. And you know, you could take it and like pull out the little things and you could say like, oh, here's a, all these great gags. And maybe you could even cut some of the bad stuff and then stitch them back together and make the 90 minute version of this. That's pretty fun and tight. Mm-hmm. And you long. don't lose. But honestly, I don't know that you could. I, I just, I think you'd be. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah. The connective I, tissue would probably be even further away from where it needs right. to be than it is if you cut out some of that stuff. But. Yeah, but at least you wouldn't have to waste as much of your life as you did. <laughs> look, look I, really, really at, at the end of the day, it's not just that the jokes were bad. It's not just that the script is bad. I could feel, with the exception of Pedro Pascal, and maybe a little bit of David Duchovny, but I could feel every person in this movie acting. I was hmm. so aware that I was watching people acting, reading lines, I mean, the editing certainly plays a role in that. Like, it's like, line, line you know, like the way that it's mm. cut together and everybody's delivered. But I just, it's almost like they were reading fucking cue cards, you know? Like, and and each joke is like, here's a joke. And it's like, jokes aren't funny when it's like yeah. handed to you on a silver yeah. and been like, hey, would you like this it, joke? It Please laugh at me. Smart. I mean, Please yeah. laugh at me. Something tells me that probably Apatow, even once this thing was cut together and he could see it, like, knows that this isn't sure. a, a great film. Yeah. And, and you know, it had his obligations, already signed it up with Netflix. I I have a feeling that he would even pull this back were he given... It's performing on Netflix, chance. and I think that that will be a quick perform and a quick drop-off because the word of mouth on this can't be too yeah. good. Dude, I, I mean, look, critics obviously don't really mean a whole lot, you know, like in this day and age. Well, except for the three of us. Go ahead. Well, us, but we're not industry critics we're sure. we're not part we're of the true, establishment we're true we're true cinephiles 24% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes but this is the part where you know that it's a real piece of shit is that it has a 37% wow. audience score that that's is that's hard to get awful. these days yeah. it is because the audience people that go to like you yeah. know on Twitter and stuff like that is different but if somebody's going somewhere like a, like Rotten Tomatoes to write a review about a movie Typically, they kind of like it, I feel. Like, you can look at... You're motivated by something. Motivated by something. And it might be hate. And in the case of this, where you're asked to bank two hours on something that doesn't pay off, Mm -hmm. yeah, I can see this making somebody want to go to Rotten Tomatoes and register their uh, disapproval. (laughs) I can see somebody wanting to make an entire half-hour-ish podcast segment uh, on that. Uh Um, And, you know, really, should we be covering better films? Sure. But you know what, guys? Life isn't fair. Oh. And that's oh. where <laughs> wow. we come back to how we sometimes are able to balance these poor experiences at the box office, or in this case in our home viewing situations, by having these libations. Did that happen? Did we wash the terrible taste Did of we? failure from us? Did we do we'll, it? We'll let Carlos go last, because I yeah, bought this, this for I'm him. Bated breath here. You and I, David, might like a barley wine a little more than he does in a general sense. Yeah. Uh, I said when we had that strawberry jacket that I really like the old school from Dogfish. I buy that one every year. Uh, I still am going to say that I prefer the Dogfish a little bit more than this yeah. one. But I, I, I enjoyed this. I've had a can of it prior mm-hmm. to tonight. Uh, I like that high ABV. <laughs> that gets a few extra points for me. Sure. But I don't like a good high ABV if I got to choke it down. Yep. I'm not choking this down at all. This is a lovely barley wine yeah. that's not, there's no strawberry frills or anything yeah. else like that. This is just pretty straightforward. And if life isn't fair, 
That's only because maybe you're not drinking this beer. Huh? Huh? <laughs> I, Joe, I agree with you. I, I'm not the biggest fan of barley wines, right. but I've had some that I like, some that I don't care for as much. It is something, even when I like it, even in this case, it would be hard for me to imagine wanting that whole 16-ounce can to myself sure. tonight. But sipping on it here, as I have been, it was not too sweet, too cloying. Mm-hmm. It smelled heavy to me, mm-hmm. but once I started drinking it, it didn't start landing in my uh, you know gut with that kind of thud. profound thud. Right. It was a much subtler. This is actually, I think, a really nicely balanced barley wine. You're saying that, of course, it's 14.8%. I mean, like, this is big, big, big. Yeah. Uh, but for that, it does it pretty well. The malt bomb flavor at the yeah. end of it really is that balance that you're talking about sweet up top malty on the end mm-hmm. i'm going to suggest that people do like this uh i'm rather people go try i don't to know if it's gonna be, i don't know if it's gonna convince him though uh, well it, okay hold on before he talks it is the the sweetness of that strawberry adjunct is gone this mm. is a completely different animal it's true it does let's not see, have that fruit let's see where carlos lands the uh, first thing i'll say <laughs> pull <laughs> it, up a chair is that and this is about the film, not about the movie. Netflix recently raised their rates to oh, give yeah. us this garbage. <laughs> um, that, that being said, good point. Is this barley wine garbage? <laughs> oh look, <laughs> swirl in a sniff. all the way down. Oh, another sip. He's, he's give, This is like nobody can claim that Carlos did not give this a full. What's the fancy glass style he's enjoying wow this him. in? The teku. I don't know. Is that, that full on teku? I don't think it's full on teku. This beer is really good. Has more of an okay. Oh, 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 oh. All right. Hey. Say, say it again. I didn't hear you. This beer is really good. Uh, you're right. I don't normally go for the barley wine, and David is also right that um, it uh, it isn't as heavy. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. On, on like when once you start drinking it, doesn't drinking linger it, on my tongue the same way that the strawberry jacket did. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. It, it's uh, it's. I mean, it's certainly not a light beer. It's fourteen point eight percent. No. But on the scale of barley wines, is I, I I I do I do care for this one much more than I have almost any other that I think I've tried. Styles are funny. David loves a good Pilsner. Pilsner's not my favorite. Pilsner, of course, mm-hmm. known for being very light, usually a lower, much lower ABV. Yeah. The general public's picking up their Coors Lights from the grocery store, 3.5, 4 point or so, around, somewhere around there. they're in the fours, When you get yeah. into that high ABV game, which we tend to do on this show, you're going to typically talk about a double or triple IPA, an imperial stout, or a barley wine like this. Now we're up in the double digits ABV, and it's a different... Different, like I, I use the term game. It's a whole different game. This barley wine's going for something different than one of those imperial stouts. Yeah. It's it's the, the, the sweet forward. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to do it, do it right. And like I said, I think Fair State does it right here. Fair State has not done us wrong, I, I don't I, think, ever. I think you're right. They, they are a very reliable brewery. In fact, I have a feeling they'll be in the Five Timers Club someday. Very soon, I hope. Yeah, I, I, I also find that to be highly likely. Um, but yeah. If I mean, if you're, if you normally don't spring for the barley wine, if you don't get real jazzed about it, give this one a try. Yeah, yeah. Do you mind if I play a hand about the second half? The film we're about to talk about is one of my favorite movies of all time, oh. and I just can't wait. I haven't watched it in a very, very long time. I watched it this morning. When we return.
we are back. All right. Hey, uh, speaking of being back, you should go back to last week's episode if you haven't already. I know most of you are just absolutely diehard beer in a movie fans. You're up every morning at the crack of dawn because you know that new episode is going to be there on Wednesday, every Wednesday morning. Sure. So, mm-hmm. um, but Wake up, turn on beer in a movie, Wednesday morning. But if... Uh, if you came here because you were dying to hear us talk about the bubble and <laughs> you didn't check out last week's episode, you should do that. We talked about The Lost City, which is a action-adventure romance comedy <laughs> starring Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. But we did something a little different. We did a choose-your-own-adventure podcast event. Right. And we talk about Lost City, and then you can go to patreon.com slash podcast, and you can pick one of three different endings to the episode. So there's three different films that we paired with the Lost City, and you can take whatever path that you would like. And you can also listen to our After Hours episode out from behind the paywall from last week as well. We uh, we do that every week where we talk about all sorts of things, not just beer and movies. And it's uh, only $5 a month, and you get a bonus episode every single week. It's but pretty the, cool stuff. But the second half, Choose Your Own Adventure, is free. Yeah, yeah, that's free. It's all free from last week. It's so all, Everything last week is free. It doesn't right. cost you a dollar. But if you really liked what what you got, then please certainly you can become you can become a patreon subscriber and get that every single week not just once in a blue moon david do you mind if i put you on the spot and ask you to define our golden stout journey in about 30 seconds oh my gosh i I mean this all starts back with superior bathhouse on i should have episode numbers in mind but was brought to us by friend of the podcast cassidy cassidy my sister-in-law shouts out um has brought us several beers over the years but this was one of the first where she brought back mm-hmm. in a growler we have a comprehensive mule network <laughs> yeah <laughs> we try um golden stout and this is a style i had had it before i think you had but carlos i think that was your first time i think it might have been and we were just the whole idea is something that we weren't all sold on well since then we've taken it upon ourselves several times to sample golden stouts because and for listeners who weren't with us on those episodes the basic idea of the golden stout is you're not using that sort of roasty, dark, malty base mm-hmm. that you normally would with a true stout. Yeah. Instead, you're using other malts that are lighter in color, but you're still trying to achieve that kind of roasted flavor profile yes. with the beer itself so that you would fuller fool Fuller bodied as well. Right. Fuller bodied, coffee notes, chocolate notes, those sorts of things. Yeah. So I know I'm kind of... That that's a very compressed nutshell. We've had some we've loved. Brunch money. Brunch money is probably the Armadillo Ale Works. Yeah, that's probably the one we like the most. But we have, I mean, this has got to be our sixth or seventh Golden Stout. We've been going on this journey to try to just contend with the style. Is it is it a style? Is Is it it something that we want to see? It's not. We've had good enough versions that I think we can at least at this point agree it deserves to exist. In certain forms, yes. it's, it's not a common style. You you can't no. get your hands on them very often. But every time that one of us can, we typically do for the sake of this conversation. Yeah. I was at local brewery Lazy Beach uh, on their. They were having a crawfish boil event. I would say friend of the pod, but we have not had. He's ready. He's ready. He and I talked for about an hour and a half. But Lacey Beach has put out a golden ale. It is called Lovers in the Surf. A golden stout. That's what I said. (laughs) It's called Lovers in the Surf. It has milk chocolate, cherry, Mm. a golden stout. So I'm going... When all all three of us bring beers to this show, Uh sometimes we have had the beer before. I have had this already... And I was very so excited to share it with you. 
David's also had it. I have not. I, yeah, the, un, unbeknownst to Joe, a can of this actually made it to another gathering that was going on this weekend that he was invited to, by the way, folks. So, the, but, but all I'm saying is I did get to sip on this also just a couple days ago, um, and I'm not going to tilt my hand too much either, but I'm not sad that Joe brought it tonight to... Uh, it's got a nice head on it. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm also going to say that the Golden Stouts we've had have not had a lot of adjunct play with chocolate and cherries and things Brunch like money that. Brunch Money had... Lactose, maple, maple. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but you're right, Joe. We've had a lot yeah. that were much more straightforward. This one a little bit more on the adjunct side, but we'll see. I mean, the I'm most the, recent being that real ale one that we didn't care for that much. No, the right. 25th anniversary Golden yeah. Stout. This is a six point one eighty. I'm getting the cherry on the nose. Oh, heavy. It smells on the like nose. you. It smells like you've. You, it smells like you cracked open a chocolate covered cherry at your grandma's house. Those those cordials, oh, yeah. you know those. Yeah, little, yeah. I'm and, you're, and you're taking a whiff of it. My grandmother's not a big fan of those, but I. I can go with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not grandma's house that you're going to go to for that, yeah. Uh, okay, folks. Well, thank you, Joe. The, the, and I love that we're taking another step along our Golden Stout journey. And, and it's a local step. I, lo- I love that. I do. Um, we're talking about a film that Joe, even before we got into this half of the episode, said is one of his favorites, which is a, I mean, I think just kind of floored Carlos and I, where we're like, we don't usually say just brazenly right up the That's top. how you keep people coming back for the okay. second half. We, we shock them. We what shock could that them. movie yeah. be? Right. Well, the, the film that Joe was talking about, we wanted to do something with the bubble that was also a film about Hollywood, a film about filmmaking. And, you know, that's certainly what the bubble is. And we thought, well, let's look back and think about some of these films. And we've done some films that have done, right? I mean, in, in a certain sense, X that we just did recently is a film about filmmaking. Absolutely, that was one of the things sure. you loved about it, Joe. You, yeah. You mentioned, um, that, that I think we all liked. We went a little further back with this, though, all the way back to 1992, a film that Robert Altman made that was sort of a big thing for him at the time because people, you know, our our listeners, I'm sure, know who Robert Altman is, but much revered new Hollywood film director of the 70s, primarily. I think MASH, MASH. came out in 1970. Right. Um, you know, in uh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, mm-hmm. Nashville, I mentioned it on the first half of the episode. See, folks, I do, I, I try to create these connections here. These um, episodes are exquisitely crafted. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> um, but you have uh, Robert Altman, who kind of owned the 70s in terms of at least critical acclaim and, and if not audience love, but he had his successes at the box office too. But those had waned, and the 80s was a real rough period for him in the sense that he was doing mostly direct-to-video sort of things, filming of plays, mm-hmm. Um, I think Popeye was a highlight as far as box office, but it was kind of critically reviled. Yeah, that was kind of a mixed result for... So anyway, he had spent the 80s almost in exile from Hollywood and made his return with this 1992 film, The Player, uh, starring Tim Robbins uh, as a studio exec, a story editor, who is... um, relatively powerful right able to green light films essentially pick projects he has screenwriters pitching to him all the time uh but he starts getting threatening postcards that uh seem to be coming from one of those screenwriters and he meets you know literally over his career probably thousands of them seem to be coming from someone close to him because they're not really coming through the mail there is no postmark but they're ending up everywhere he goes yeah hand delivered and no one can say who where that came from he's finding them under things that you know they've been tucked in his car through his fax machine yes right his car fax faxes are great (laughs) oh that was right the 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 period detail of this film which was 
not period detail, it was just shooting the film in 1992, yeah. is amazing. I mean, the style of suits that people wore oh, God. in 1992 is one of the strangest periods of American male fashion, I think, of all time. I mean, but it's at the time, stuff. those would have been some high oh, fashion, no, cutting edge, high yeah, dollar absolutely. suits. Just look at every NBA all-star photo from the 90s yeah, and yeah, look yeah. at the suits these men are wearing. It's right. so funny. It, it is weird. To, Especially because they're also gigantic. Right. And, but then they're wearing suits that make that them look also, even bigger. Because yeah. <laughs> that was the style. Anyway, so Shoulder pads. Studio yeah. exec, threatening postcards, get, getting hot under the collar, kind of worried about it, thinks he might know who's doing it, confronts the person. Vincent D'Onofrio. Played by Vincent D'Onofrio. David Kahane, this this screenwriter. Um, who wants the purity of the art form, right? He tracks him down to the screening of the Bicycle Thief. This film is just peppered with references I tried to, to film. I, try, I, I searched the Bicycle Thief on IMDb, and it didn't turn much up. Oh. A lot of short films. <laughs> okay. Straight up, only short film. Ooh. Oh, wow. What? I'm, the Bicycle no. Thief is a classic you Italian know. cinema. I've not, I'm not familiar with Oh, it's that. a huge... Oh, oh well, okay. But this is a beer and a movie uh, wow. confession, <laughs> and we are going to rectify this at some point. We, the, the, we can't... We can't no, it's You're a, my film professor. I, I, well, that's why I'm shocked the most. You didn't take film did, and culture I didn't with take me. Film I, do, culture I actually <laughs> use this film. In, <laughs> every year? Anytime I teach the class, yeah. I use it. It's so, it's so great for breaking down narrative because it's such a simple three-act story and it's just very easy right. to counter. Anyway, um, so l- tracks this guy down, has a confrontation, and spoilers, folks, kills the man in a, in a, in a scuffle. I mean, there, there's some back and forth. He gets knocked by a door, and you know, but goes to the extent of killing him covering up the murder, and then the rest of the film is, is he going to get away with this thing, or is the law, represented here by Whoopi Goldberg and Lyle Lovett, which you you have to appreciate that. God, that Um, scene when she's flipping that tampon around. That is, I forgot about that scene. Watching this again, that scene is so funny, and it's, the way it's shot, the way that it's put together is just beautiful, because they're doing everything they can to just get under his skin, and like intentionally unsettling him because they want him to crack they want him to crack and they're doing it so well so anyway the the law are they going to get their man is he going to get away with it all played against the backdrop of hollywood studio you know sort of backstabbing and this new exec who's posturing for his position and the head of the studio seems like he's on his way out and who's going to come in and replace it anyway there you and then he begins courting of course it's they're not married. The girlfriend of the man—that's perhaps the weirdest part. The, of the girlfriend of the man he murders. Let's call her the widow. He begins like like courting her yeah. and throwing his uh, fellow movie executive girlfriend away. Oh in, yeah, in in uh, pursuit of this new woman. Right. Yeah. Can we say that Vincent D'Onofrio is one of the most underrated actors? Oh, he's great. I'll say that with you. Thirty or forty years. I'll say that with you. He's what was the? Was he on one of the Law and Orders? Uh, yeah, he was on Criminal Intent for a while. Okay, yeah. But I, then he was great in that Dare. I mean, I can't well, believe I'm say jacket. this. I've never seen that. Uh, <laughs> Coming was, to beer in a movie soon. Full Metal Jacket with Bicycle Thief. Yeah, it's a fantastic pairing. Um, Bicycle Thieves. Okay, so that's why I just I. I scrolled down and yeah. scrolled down and scrolled down, and it's you called it. Bicycle Thieves. It depends. People translate it. That's the better translation, honestly. Is okay. busy. But for years, but, it was known as the Bicycle Thief in the the States mm-hmm. especially. That's why I couldn't 
Actually, I didn't even. Yeah. It, okay. Yeah, there you go. That's why I couldn't find it on IMDb when there I was searching for it. Vincent Navarro is so good in this movie. He's only in it for like five minutes. I know, and I was right? so bummed about that. Yeah. He plays that character really, really well. He's you believe every so, minute of it. Well, every end. There's I mean, so many people in this film. It's bonkers. It, I remember at the time how, and I, pr- I probably saw it like 94, 95 on cable or mm-hmm. VHS or something. I think there's 65 cameos where people play themselves. But it is just wall to wall because scenes are set at restaurants where you just have people dining. So you have like Burt Reynolds, John Cusack, <laughs> Angela, uh, Angelica, Angelica Houston. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it yeah, just we goes could, on We could play that game for a long time. On. The, the, um, what Peter Altman, Glenn, I think, right? and Lily Tomlin, uh, um, Scott, Scott, Glenn. Scott Glenn, Scott Glenn, who was fresh off of Silence of the Lands, and Scott Glenn, and of course, a, and Lily Tomlin are both Lily, previous yeah. alumni of being in. That's right. Films. A lot of Elliot a Gould lot shows of up in there. Films. Jeff Goldblum yes. hits the scene. Love a Goldblum. Malcolm McDowell and he and Andy McDowell. There's even some McDowell confusion. Yeah. Going yeah. And, and what Altman's attempting to do here is exactly what he did in Nashville, I think, and that is give you a um, a backdrop of what going to the restaurants where a studio executive would go to or maybe the um, fundraiser galas that a studio executive would go to, those places would be full of stars. Right. And And part of the fun of this film is like we're doing right now, pointing out, there's Burt Reynolds, you know, there's this person, that person, but also that that's probably exactly what lunch would be. Yeah. in these types of places or a fundraiser gala. Well, it's like if you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm, right? And you see Larry David out having lunch in L.A. and he bumps into Albert Brooks. Or Martin Short. Yeah, yeah, right. Like these other Hollywood. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. (laughs) Didn't want to invite me to lunch? Uh, Okay, so the first thing that happened for me in this film is the shocking revelation that Tim Robbins is fucking tall. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, He's oh yeah. So you, tall. You just haven't seen enough movies with him. There, if I really you've seen haven't. In the right movies. I've seen Shawshank. Yeah, he's like six four. Yeah, uh, he's six Bull five. Oh, seen, six five. Another great um, performance. Bob Roberts is yeah. another oh, great performance. Um, obviously, I've seen High Fidelity. Uh, he's pretty funny. He's pretty <laughs> funny. He doesn't. He doesn't come off as a large man in that one though. But I think it's like mm. you were talking about the suits. Yeah, and this one really bring out even bigger yeah. and and he's standing in doorways and shit where he's like about to hit his head uh mm-hmm. but that kind of tripped me out because i don't know he just never struck me as like a big physical presence yeah. he is really good in this movie though yeah yeah like yeah. really really good like he, he, had level, a, he had a run where he could demonstrate what a great actor he was and you know like i don't know there are definitely detractors of shawshank redemption out there and then there are people that like think it's the greatest thing ever sure mm-hmm. and he's good enough in that movie but he's playing a kind of understated Milk like toast. very yeah real subtle kind sure. of performance but in this one i Andy mean like Dufray. like whenever he um whenever that snake is in his car and then he <laughs> goes over to june right is her name the, the yeah. widow we're calling her the june widow. yes yeah. june greta scotchy he goes Scott, over to June's Scott. house and he gives that whole monologue. Great scene, great performance. I yeah, I loved this movie. Isn't it I, good? It's so good, and I think it's the first Robert Altman movie I've ever seen. It's the first Altman movie no. we've done on this show. Really? Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen it. I, I, soon, I, I know I've Altman. never seen Nashville. Like for a fact, I know I've never okay. seen Nashville. Okay. I'm not. I can't say or I looked through his filmography did, yeah. to to. To check the Gosford Park, the, the Popeye, Popeye, or never yeah, seen, <laughs> I've never seen Popeye. Anyway, um, but I'm aware of his 
thing, you yeah. know? And I mean, you get the people talking oh, we over each other. We, we will definitely do an Altman episode because there's, a, I mean, y- yes, the people talking over. I love the staging of that Burt Reynolds restaurant scene where Great. Reynolds is continuing to have the conversation with whoever that is he's having in lunch the foreground. With, while you have in the background Robbins having his conversation with the studio head, yeah. and they're kind of going back and forth. And you're kind of like, who am I supposed to be paying attention? And then they're- and 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 the sound mixing on that is great because Burt Reynolds's conversation very slowly fades out. Yeah, away. it's yeah. like it's not it doesn't turn on and off. It's like a very right. su- it's like almost like a really long mix, mm-hmm. you know, like a DJ. But imagine that day on set, right? Oh, yeah. Now Burt Reynolds is like, you're gonna sit here, yeah, but and we're gonna you're gonna be in frame the entire time, yeah, but we're not paying any attention to you. So yeah. you just got you or guys. We you are. guys that's, just have. I lunch. mean, that's that, I think that's that's part of the beauty of the Altman <clears throat> approach is that he's giving you so much to take in at yeah. sometimes that. You know, I was focusing on Reynolds in part because I love Burt Reynolds. Yeah. And, and he was younger and he's looked dead. great. Yeah. And, and so now, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But this is me looking back 30 years ago when he was still a player himself sure. in Hollywood and sure. still doing this. And it's just funny. And that's only six years removed from when he's going to be playing Jack Horner in Boogie Nights. And there's, you know, there's this kind of funny thing that goes on where the reality of his star presence and that happens throughout the film in certain ways um with, with with other appearances that happen not in a distracting way i'm not saying it but but it it's a treasure trove of you're seeing these little glimpses of what hollywood was like at a certain time yeah, yeah. the people who were around but don't you feel that you could change out all the cameos with modern day people and the story about Hollywood that this film is telling you is basically the same throw in some marvel references to make Ugh. it current but it's really it's really this movie is about so much it's about art versus commerce yeah. uh, they are uh, tim robbins is pitched. Though in a very cynical way oh very yeah. cynical yeah. way especially with that, the ending the coda the punchline of that entire gag right. of the um, richard e grant Habeas character Corpus. who has is Who, pitching Richard this. E. Grant is good in this. Oh, he's, he's great. great. But he's great in general. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He and Dean Stockwell show up to pitch <laughs> a movie. Dean Stockwell's great. And the movie is no stars. Uh, <laughs> it has to have a sad ending. You know, yeah. it's no, going no, to no be neorealistic and we're not going to cater to what 90s filmmaking is doing, which is the birth of... There's no car chases. Right. 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 And then by the end of the film, of course, when... Somehow Tim Robbins evades being uh, being caught for mm-hmm. the murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, the becomes the becomes head the, the head of the studio, mm-hmm. and is screening the rushes of their new film that now has the that he, Bruce Willis busting in right. to save Julia Roberts yes. in the, that film that was supposed to have no stars, no action, no whatever. Right. And Richard E. Grant is totally on board. Of course. He's sold Which, the fuck the out. The total payoff I, from the film being full of every time they're talking about any project with a female character, it's Julia Roberts mm-hmm. they want to cast in it. Yeah. Anytime there's an action character, it's Bruce, Bruce Willis. Willis. So like you're seeing the payoff of this you know, joke that's been set up throughout yeah. the entire film. Oh, it's brilliant. It's, it's, it's so funny to see. Yeah. It, it that, really that, is just such an interesting... The film is known for that seven and a half minute um, opening tracking shot. Yeah. Uh, that is that, that sets up the film brilliantly. It's a great right. tracking Amazingly shot. Amazingly choreographed where characters come in and out and then in and out again where Buck Henry is pitching The Graduate 2. <laughs> 
I mean, it, it is so smart. This movie's so smart. And Jeremy I, Piven's giving a tour. Yeah, yeah. As a character, not as himself. Not he, as himself. He no, was no, no. not enough of a star at this no. time to have been that kind. He of, hadn't gotten uh, his hair back yet. But it's weird. How did he get that back? I want to. He still looked really old. Like he, he looks it, the same. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to yeah. say. Is like he was probably twenty five, twenty six. He looks to me like he's a fifty something year old man. At least totally. forty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He he definitely and it, he's the same in Gross Point Blank, which is only a couple years later. Right. He's still. I mean, his hairline's. Probably I mean, even a when he was in the movie PCU, which was right around this time, he was a balding college. student. He was a balding college student yeah. who looked way too old to be there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, did you guys have any derision for our main character because the guy isn't a good guy? No, ever. Oh, that's, I don't think I ever like him. Well, I see that. But that, you root for him, don't you? You want him to evade arrest. You want him to 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 navigate the player system, don't you? I, I so I don't I don't think by that I don't think by the. Point that him being arrested is a possibility you're like really rooting for, I, I was really rooting for him but I, before he kills Vincent D'Onofrio I found myself kind of rooting for this guy like there were times where like um, I mean even I guess a little bit later when Malcolm McDowell kind of chews him out yeah. there was even a point where I'm just like is he that bad a guy I don't know well, you know I don't know and I mean he is and then by the end of it you're like yeah <laughs> fucking shitbag you know whatever well, but but also he's the one that is like he's the writer's executive right. and so he right. seems no, a little No I think in the beginning they set it up well enough for me to almost be able to buy into the idea that he is a likable person and he's like the rare exec who actually wants good projects to get made and blah 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 and he seems to be trying to do the right thing with Kahane at first in the sense that like well I'll give you a project look yeah. if you're mad at, like if you I think I don't think he's trying to do the right thing I think he's trying to buy himself out of the situation maybe, that he's gotten into but either way you can interpret it that I'm saying like you you could it's open enough once he goes ballistic on Kahane and kills him and what is it that he shouts over and over again like keep it to yourself keep it to yourself something like that and it's just so weird and and there's like a a psychotic break and from then on to me it feels much more like it's going to go down like this film noir path where it's going to be this guy spiraling out of control and ultimately having to pay the price for this sin but in Hollywood Altman spins it around and it's no instead this is a cynical portrait of this is what it takes to make it in this kind of city this is what it takes to make it in this industry is you have to be cutthroat and you have to be somebody who will do whatever it takes to get to whatever position you want to have and who discards people when they're done with them and who you know will pick up with the next person and and imagine the landscape in 1992 which is 30 years ago Mm -hmm. but very different than where it is now the media conglomerations have gotten larger and larger and larger Mm -hmm. there's a fantastic scene where he takes the widow on a um spa weekend out to the (laughs) desert and she says tell me what you do and he explains to her that my job is to listen to pitches listen to stories listen to film ideas and pass them along to the people collectively our studio and we're one of several studios gets 50,000 pitches a year we can pick 12 yeah. Those tentpole films. The ones that are going to give us the biggest return for the dollar. Yeah. Well, then how do you choose? It's got to have the stuff that people like. And he makes a list. It's got to have sex. It's got to have violence. It's got to have a happy ending at the yeah. end of the day. Blah, 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 blah. That's why I think that if we just recast the film, we could almost do the exact same thing 
now sure and it's only gotten worse so when we get into these masturbatory conversations about art versus cinema and marvel's not cinema or is it cinema or blah 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 blah, it's all about making the maximum amount of money that we can so if we can throw bruce willis saving julia roberts in while keeping the general kernel of the story let's do that and we'll make 50 million more dollars on opening weekend the lethal gas disperses everywhere and everybody's fine (laughs) (laughs) that lethal gas you've got Susan Sarandon through the door and then you've got the dad from 16 Candles that famous Paul character Dooley, Paul Dooley Paul Dooley comes in taps his watch goes off screen he he didn't even call in favors I think this was like you know how everyone wants to be in a Woody Allen movie I know that's not the case as much as it used to be but people they, they die they do scale we don't need to be paid we yeah. just want to be part of this oh yeah I think this was every single person in Hollywood saying I want to do that with Altman I don't care yeah. what my role is right now yeah, it was it was definitely a the, the Hollywood co-signing on the idea that we like Robert Altman. And he's going to satirize what we do. Right. Let's we, go. We, we want him. But it's a very that said, and I and and it does have a dark commentary I think on Hollywood, but it's actually fairly mild in terms of I mean I think actually Altman has like himself. kid gloves on yeah, it's not scathing you don't walk it's away not, saying I mean, again, never all the stars go to as, as vain as they may come off are still like come off as kind of down to earth enough mm-hmm. that they're like oh yeah they're just like us except they're hanging out at like lovely modern homes with pools that have you know like, so what did you think of the ending when the writer who it turns out was writing the postcards calls oh I love that him I, up I, I, and I, pitches the movie we just saw Right, and in, in, including and up to him using the tagline or whatever from the movie we, the movie within the movie that we just. I mean, it's oh, it's beautiful. It's it's beautiful uh, storytelling. I think to have it wrap up that way. So if we're gonna introduce uh, young Carlos to two more Altman films, David, I'll put you on the spot. Which ones would you choose? It, I mean, Nashville's probably. I think right so, in given there. the, I, the I think, love of music I think in the room. You have to because. You want to get across, although honestly, part of me would want to say California Split for that 70s period, or McCabe and Mrs. Miller. But if I had to be pinned down for like 90, or sorry, 70s Altman, I would probably say Nashville. And then I would want to bring it in something later. This is a great film. If we hadn't already done this, I would think about this. Shortcuts, which was the next film he made. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bunch of different Raymond Carver stories kind of stitched uh, together. I know why you like that movie. Go ahead. Sprawling cast. <laughs> Three hours. Uh, it, it, but it's it's fantastic. It and, and it is definitely, I think, a film that if you've seen that, it makes sense why Paul Thomas Anderson did, did Magnolia. And the, anyway, so... Those are probably the two that come to my mind the quickest. I'd say McCabe and um, the first one you said, uh, Nashville. Yeah. McCabe. So you would stay in the 70s. I would stay in the 70s, and here's why. Two very, very different films. His take on the Western, McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Sure. And that one is where he perfected, I think, that audio technique that he uses. Yeah. Where everyone's great Leonard Cohen. And then uh, Nashville, because if you're going to do Altman, some people would say MASH. Oh, sure. It is yeah, is no. the seminal film. I love MASH. I think that MASH is... I can't imagine how they came up with the television show that they came up with when you watch that film. I can. It's... it's, But it is... It, and it was... I think... I think this is true. Mm-hmm. His most financially successful. I think it was the Probably. biggest... Yeah. 
film and the one to go on to have the most cultural impact at yeah. least in a broad sense yeah. that people like know of this film well, this will be a fun yeah. conversation maybe we'll have it on our new discord chat server with uh, anyone that wants to join us there mash was after the show the film was no, no, the film was before. It's the, the, the thing film that was inspired. so successful they created a television show about it. Which I think it was based it. on a novel. So Same character end. names, but the characters are very different in the television show. Uh, yeah, and that Alan television Arkin's show went to a weird place at the end. Right. Yeah. No. The the film, the Altman film version, had Elliot Gould and uh, Sally Donald uh, and Donald Sutherland. Sutherland. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. It's funny because Robert I Duvall. because yeah. I know so much about him because shouts out Bobby Lewis. He, he uh, talked up Altman for you? He loves Robert Altman, and he oh. talks so much about Robert Altman. And, uh, well, geez. And, whatever and, the classes. What's the class that you... The first film class? Film and culture? No, the like first like film production one you take. Intro to film. Well, the, the intro to media production nowadays, but maybe oh, okay. intermediate. Well, what were we calling it even then? I don't remember. I, yeah, Sorry. it was something different. We've changed names. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> when I took that class with him, it was... Uh, I mean... He talked a lot about Robert Altman, yeah, and, yeah. and with great admiration. And as someone that has great admiration for Bobby Lewis, I well, there via you the go. transitive it's, property it's, have great admiration. It's a for Robert certainty, Altman. folks, that much, we are going to be covering more Altman, and much future. better way to wrap up the episode than that first half's uh, bubble. I <laughs> definitely think that this helped. Even the ending, the is, barley wine helped last the last half, <laughs> it did. Yeah. but right. this really helped wash the terrible taste of failure out of our mouths with uh, after talking about the bubble for so long. Yeah, to go back to your point about the ending, though, it was it was fairly devastating. Like it's like a pretty crushing ending. It's very bleak when he oh, breaks yeah. up with the girl. When he like dismisses his ex girlfriend. Everything that happens after the woman picks the wrong person out of the lineup, which was one of my favorite scenes. It's, yeah. it's, it is tough for me to see Whoopi Goldberg as anybody other than Whoopi Goldberg at this point, because I grew up with Whoopi Goldberg, mm -hmm. not the actress Whoopi Goldberg. I just, the person that yeah. is a pop culture figure. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's this scene in the lineup where this woman who claims that she got a very clear view of the killer? Yeah. Who is wearing the most impossibly thick lensed glasses? <laughs> yeah. Clearly, so blind. Says I would like swear on my mother's grave that it's number three, and right. number three is Lyle Lovett, the detective. Who is the detective? Right. And Whoopi yeah. Goldberg says, "Where the fuck is your mother buried?" Or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah. It, that made me laugh out loud. Uh, <laughs> but. So much good in this movie. I'm I can't, glad you saw it. I can't think of no notes. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it is a no notes film, and and it's Thomas Newman doing the music. Of, yeah, of the acclaimed Newmans, right? Uh, Randy and Thomas, and, and then their dad was a composer, yeah. wasn't he? Human, <laughs> human Newman, human yeah. Newman, famous disc jockey. Uh, so listen, I was eager, eager to bring this completely. We can't tie it into the movie in any way that I could figure out beer. Right, right. Lovers and the Surf from our local, one of our local breweries, uh, Lazy Beach Brewing. If you're ever down in Corpus Christi, I would suggest you check them out. They uh, are lovers at the spa in this film. They are, and it was they, water. They're, yeah. Okay. They, they, lot, sweaty, <laughs> sweaty lovemaking. Yeah, Intense yeah. close-up sweaty lovemaking. Oh, and a muddy dong shot. I thought you guys would love that too. <laughs> All right, what do y'all think about Lovers and the Surf? 6.1 Golden Stout with Cherries and Chocolate. 
I said I was not unhappy that you brought this here, and yeah. that's because I enjoy this beer. I think it's, I Carlos actually, you know, uh, has has his new shop opening soon, and he invited some folks just to stop in and mm-hmm. see this new space, and it's pretty set up and looks great. We have a lot of questions about this for after hours. Very, very excited for all that's going to go on there, but. He was kind enough to hand me a beer from a cooler that he had there, and it was a 16-ounce can of this that I was honestly a little bit afraid to crack open because I'm thinking, (laughs) do I want 16 ounces of a golden stout right now out on the sidewalk? But it was actually cooling down. The the evening was right, and I sipped on it, and it was kind of similar to what we were saying in the first half about about the barley wine. It was lighter than I was expecting to be while not being disappointing. Mm -hmm. It it was not in a bad way, but it was... And easy enough to drink. It has some of that. The chocolate's there. Very you definitely much, get yeah. that. You get the cherry. And they're in enough balance. It was just, it's like drinking like a liquid kind of cherry cordial, mm-hmm. but not overly sweet, not cloying, not taxing. These guys have dialed in a beautifully done golden stout that I am proud to say I can get in my own city right here fresh. You can go first. Uh, I brought it mm-hmm. because I think, A, it's the best golden stout we've had so far on the show. Punch Money gives it a run for its money, but that that's... And B, this is the best beer Lazy Beach has ever brewed. Wow. That's I, uh, and C, it tastes a little bit better on tap. But okay, well, that's that good. aside... I mean, it's good... And and I'll put it up there, but I think I've had some some ones that I like a little bit. But they've had a couple great IPAs lately, actually. But yeah. anyway, this is a fantastic golden stout. I agree. I'm not as oh I'm not as there on it as you guys are. Had to do it. Um, I lo- look. Let's let's not get it twisted. I like <laughs> I like this beer. Brunch Money is certainly a better golden stout for me. Okay. Um, it is higher on the list of lazy beach releases um i i haven't had any of their ipas as of as of recent but i've had some good stouts from them before some of the kind of small batch stuff they've done over the years has been very very good um and i don't know i i I see i don't think i'm getting as much of the chocolate as y'all are i don't know on the taste i didn't get it on the nose as much i definitely got the cherry on the nose the cherry is that the cherry is the nose Uh, it is the nose is cherry full stop but I, I don't I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm, hold on. He's, this is a very serious beer drinking episode yes, for is. Carlos. He's he's really taking his time. The video the component sip. for this would be. We probably yeah. do well, need to start including some video. Well, because I feel like I'm getting. I, mean, I feel like I, I I I mean I was challenged in the first half uh-huh. beer wise. Joe was. Yeah, it know, was. It was a direct yeah, challenge. Yeah, and 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 this one being the one that seems to like it the least i'm trying to i'm trying to get there with yeah. it um i do like it uh, and i'm very much in the middle of where i want to stand on this as a golden stout there's part of me that thinks like oh it's a little too light it's not roasty mm. enough but then there's the other part of me that's like but i don't know that i would call this anything else you know right. what i mean and would you even want it to get heavier like you you wouldn't want probably yeah, I, anything I, that was a lot roastier than this or th- that's the tricky part i think isn't we it? solved the problem by that's like the cutting part, the words it? golden stout out of the beer vernacular and calling these beers something else mm-hmm. I we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to challenge uh lazy beach Corey, jessica drew they, they, they need to come up with look guys you know we love your beer 
we just don't want to call it a golden stout. <laughs> Come up with a new style. <laughs> call no, it I something. Think it, I, no, I think it is. I, I, think it, I think it has earned the golden stout name. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, it's... Um, but, I mean, we... I, I don't know. We go for these beers because they're different, they're interesting, yeah. they're thinking outside the box, yeah. and it is those well, qualities and it's a fun, of it. It's a fun beer to drink. Here, here's, it is. It I is. mean, even hearing you say this, the fact that we can have this conversation, this would be, if I went to Lazy Beach on a Sunday, they do brunch, right? Like, And I, I go there at like 11, and I'm with some friends, and like, hey, let's get one of their golden stouts, we'll have some of that along with our pancake, or what, whatever it is that we're having as our brunch items, or whatever. Like, that would be a fun beer sure. to taste and talk about at the table. That, I think Lazy Beach, of any of our... Believe me, I love all of our local breweries of for, for various reasons. Not all of them. Uh, but, but yeah, of no, course. most of them. Most of them. <laughs> um, but, you know, Rebel Toad, consistent as all get out. Yeah. They give it, but Lazy Beach, I give them credit. They are the most experimental. They're always trying That's new true. flavor combinations. They're always trying different little ingredients. The fact that they were interested or, you know, invested enough to brew something like mm-hmm. this. That, like you said, Joe, is a hard style to find. Yeah. And when you do find it, we found many versions of it we don't care for at all. It's pretty great when they're coming up with one that I think nobody at the table is going to pour. And like, this is garbage. This is a good beer. Where do you want to classify it in your mind? How do you make sense of it? Where does it fit into your beer drinking? That's a question. And Those that's been questions. the narrative of our entire Golden Stout journey. And, and you know what? Let's just let's just accept it as part of the narrative. It's a weirdo style that people are trying to expound on every right. single time they probably make one. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Wow, what an episode. Yeah, this was yeah. a fun episode. More fun than I thought it was going to be. I was worried coming into it because I just... I felt like we were all not going to like the bubble. And, I was and so scared. Sometimes when we all like don't it. like things, it's like we don't even have anything to say about it. We're just How do like, I like oh. this person when they like the bubble? I just <laughs> I do. I was just it would have been so beside myself. <laughs> but you know, maybe one of y'all out there likes it, and I'll be beside myself. I want to see we... somebody mount a strong defense. Because believe <laughs> so me, I, I want to believe it could Actually, be done. Uh, but you know. These conversations do occur. They do happen. And it's one of the great things about the show is that the conversation continues after the episode is over. And it happens on social media, all your favorite social media channels. You can find us on Twitter at, Be- at Beer Movie Show, Instagram at Beer and Movie, Facebook.com slash Beer and Movie TX. Beer and Movie Podcast.com has a link to our merch. It has a link to our Discord server where we're talking about all sorts of stuff over there. Um, it has these great uh groupings of episodes where you can uh maybe see where we've tackled a certain director or you can see where we have uh you all, know, horror we, october. all horror october uh you can see the five timers club for yeah. the beer uh the breweries whose beer we've had five or more times you can see this google map of every brewery like where every brewery that we've ever tried is located it's all over the world we've gone to 12 countries at this point uh and and just like our after hours episodes, patreon.com slash beer and movie podcast, $5 a month gets you a bonus episode every single week. Uh, on Discord, we're not just talking about beer and movies. We've got Joe's Craft Corner, which obviously is is beer. Dave's Country Kitchen. I don't know what's going on <laughs> over there. Food. Carlos's meme extravaganza. You know, I love my spicy memes. He does. And uh, what's spinning, where we talk about records and shit. And so there's all sorts of things going on over there. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please 
rate, review, and subscribe. It helps you to know when new episodes come out and be alerted and be the first to hear them. But also giving us that five-star rating, leaving a written review really helps the algorithm to do what it do. Also, don't forget to go to thebenmag.com and click the locals list banner at the top of the page to vote for us for best Corpus Christi podcast 2022. Best Coastal Ben podcast. Best Coastal Ben. Sorry, that's correct. Best Co- Coastal Ben podcast 2022. We Folks, we, we own a pocket of the Gulf Coast here. We know we're number one in your hearts, but put us number one on paper. You, you know go. what to do. Um, this has been another... Brought another. back from the brink of disaster. <laughs> it's been another episode of Beer in a Movie. Yeah. <laughs> Until next time. Movies. Now more than ever. Mm-hmm.